0: Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org.
1: Hello, hello. All right, there we are. Had to get detached and uh, over here. Uh, Well, God bless you all this morning. Uh, As I said, thank you so much for having us. Um, uh, Pastor introduced us earlier. My name is Will. This is my wife, Mary, and we are the uh, executive directors of Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge here in Fort Myers, uh, or there up there in Fort Myers. And uh, we've been down here in Fort Myers for just a little over a year, actually. Uh, We uh, were married in 2008, and we moved to Brooklyn, and we worked with Teen Challenge in Brooklyn, New York. And so, yeah, amen. All right. We got some New Yorkers in the house. Amen. Good. Yeah, back there too. All right, good. Um, So we lived there in New York uh, since 2008 and working with Teen Challenge. If you know Teen Challenge, uh, the the center there in Brooklyn was the first Teen Challenge that was started back in 1958. Uh, There was a small-town country preacher uh, named David Wilkerson that you can read about in the story, The Cross and the Switchblade, who saw an article about some boys that were on trial for murder. And, uh, and when he saw that and he looked in their faces, uh, he believed that he heard God tell him to go to New York and save those boys. And uh, so he launched on a mission and he began traveling up to New York and back and forth. He walked into the courtroom and uh, he was full, had full intention on trying to get to those boys because the Lord had told him so. And he asked uh, if he would have the opportunity to speak to them. And of course, they wouldn't let him do that and basically told him to leave. And as he was leaving the courtroom, uh, the press that was outside uh, said, hey, preacher, you know, what's that in your hand? And he lifted up his Bible and they snapped some pictures. And you can read in the story back in, in the 50s, and it says, talks about what happened in the courtroom that day. And it said, certainly we have seen the last of this poor misguided soul. And the problem with that is, is that the battle belongs to the Lord, right, just like what we said. And since the battle belongs to the Lord and he stayed committed to what he believed that God had called him to do, he didn't shrink back when it didn't turn out the way that he thought. Uh, He didn't despise the days of small beginnings like we read about in Scripture. And he he kept pressing in. got a little encouragement from his grandfather who told him to suck it up and just keep going. If God called you to it, he's going to walk you through it. And so he kept going and kept ministering. He had a miraculous interaction with a man named Nikki Cruz uh, on the streets of Fort Greene. And Nikki gave his heart to the Lord. And Israel, the leader of the gang, gave his heart to the Lord. And then the rest is history. And now, si- over 63 years later, Teen Challenge is not just uh, eight boys that were on trial for murder in the 50s. Uh, now we have uh, almost 300 centers here in the United States for men, women, and teens. And we have almost 1,400, around 1,400 centers around the world all over the the world because of one person hearing the voice of the Lord and committing himself to it. And so why do we come today? We come because uh, God is still speaking and God is still delivering and God is still calling us. He's calling us out of our lives, whether it be lives of addiction, whether it be lives of complacency, whether it be lives of wealth or poverty or good things or bad things or whatever it is, God is calling us out. We are in, living in a time where the world desperately needs people that will, will believe in the living Jesus to take the word that he has given them and have the boldness to step out into their world and to follow him wherever that may lead wherever that may lead, and so we stand on a rich history of that, Uh, and we want to increase your faith today to, number one, to believe in that Jesus who still does that work, to number two, to believe in the Jesus that cares enough about your situation your circumstances and your life, and that if you are struggling today, that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is our healer, that Jesus is our deliverer, and if we would but follow him, uh, he will lead us through. And so, my wife is going to tell us a little bit about the actual program itself uh, as we get moving along.
2: Amen. Um, good morning. So, I guess a little snapshot of the program from day to day is that it's very structured. It's very disciplined. It's a residential program. So, individuals looking for help would come and live on the campus. And there's a women's home and there's a men's home. And so, we uh, get up at the same time every morning, go to sleep at the same time every night, um, make meals together, have classes together, have church together, um, have group studies together, um, you know, uh, devotions, time in the word, all of that, go to work together. There's a couple thrift stores um, that help to support the ministry, and the students have opportunity to work there and uh, help to cover the cost of their tuition. Um, you know, we're not insurance based, and we do not receive government funding, and that gives us the freedom to be able to tell people that Jesus is the answer. So, um, amen. So, um, and one of the things that we really focus on is um, identity. And this is important because um, if a person can get a hold of um, the understanding that they're a masterpiece of God, it can change their whole perspective. Um, And it's important because God doesn't make junk and nobody was born an addict. God doesn't take the time to make junk. He takes the time to create uh, individuals to bear his image. And so we all are born with different giftings, different looks, different personalities, different skin colors, all to reflect the glory and image of God. Amen. And so, um, um, you know, there is... There's just such a, a, um, an importance in understanding that in somebody's recovery process. Um, and so, um, as Will said, we were, um, oh, one thing. So, sin has a way of hiding who you really are, right? Um, it, in, in addiction or any sin, really, if you get deep enough into something, it just has a way of really covering up who you really are as a person and who God made you to be. Um, You know, we we hear that frequently, you know, people coming into the program and they get so deep into addiction. I don't even know who I am. And so, um, you know, when we come to Jesus and we begin the healing process um, and we begin to, um, you know, uncover all that's been done and go through repentance and go through change and, um, you know, unlearn all of the bad habits and learn new habits and healthy habits we begin to see this is who was in there all along, right? And so, um, as Will said, we came from Brooklyn, and um, I was in the office one day with one of our little boys. We've got three kids, three little boys. And at the time, my youngest was three, and his name is Micah. So I'm hanging out in the office with Micah, and we have an intern up in Brooklyn named Ricky. And, um, you know, the boys know him and they're friends with him. And um, Ricky was on one of our brochures for Teen Challenge. And it was sitting in the office, so Micah was looking at it. And a lot of times we use before and after pictures once people come into the program because the transformation on the inside is just so great. You can see it on the outside, and it's like really something. when they come through and graduate at the end. And so Ricky's picture before and after was on there. And so Micah... It's only three, and he doesn't have that language yet, right, or understanding of the concept we see as before and after, right? So in his understanding, he looks at the picture, and he points at the old one, and he goes, the old Ricky. And he's, like, looking so confused, like, who is this guy, right? (laughs) So he looks at the before picture, and he goes, that's the old Ricky. And then he looks at the after picture, and he goes, that's the real Ricky. And um, it says in Colossians 3.3 3 in the NLT version, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. Amen.
1: Amen. And, um, and so that's a bit about who we are. It's, it's, uh, we don't typically call ourselves a rehab because uh, we're not trying to get back to a place Uh, We're looking for life transformation. That's our our mission or vision is to put hope within reach and offer life transformation through Christ-centered programs. Um, And ultimately, uh, we are part of what is called uh, where there's Teen Challenge USA and then there's the Southeast region. And so we're under the Southeast region. Within our region, uh, there's 20 centers that are part of that same region. Uh, six of them, soon to be seven, uh, are adolescent centers, meaning 12 to 17. And then 14 of those are adult centers, uh, some men's and some women's. And then, of course, we're fortunate enough here in Fort Myers to have a men's home and a women's home. Uh, and so we can uh, help uh, anybody that is, is struggling, man or woman, and then we can also help connect those uh, that have teens that are struggling uh, with our partner facilities as well that we are in regular uh, contact with. And so uh, we're here to, here to help and to, to here to serve. Um, a couple of things, announcement things for us, and then what we're going to do is we're going to uh, have a couple more songs. We're going to share some testimonies. We're going to have a skit. We're going to dig in just a little bit to the word is we have actually a gala that's coming up November 12th, Friday, November 12th. Uh, it's up in Fort Myers at the Crown Plaza. And uh, it starts at 7 o'clock, and it's going to be an awesome opportunity to really come and celebrate the things that God has done uh, for this last year. Again, we've been here for a year, and so it's going to be our first one to, uh, to celebrate and to uh, uh, connect with people. And so we'd love to invite everybody you can uh, talk to our table out at the back and they'll have information about that. Uh, Tickets are $35 uh, and there is opportunity, obviously, if you buy a table, uh, the price uh, of that comes down, but we'd love to see you there. Uh, We have a sponsorship opportunities uh, for monthly sponsorship that you can get information about. Uh, There are things at the table that you can purchase to help support the program. Uh, But very importantly, what we would love for everybody to do is to grab some brochures because those are an easy, tool that you can use when you come into interaction with somebody that needs the hope of Jesus, that is struggling from addictions and life-controlling issues, and you can give them that and say, here, here is a place where you can find hope. Here is a place that will walk with you uh, through your struggles and through your trials, uh, and you can even help uh, to get them to us. Uh, but take something. Oftentimes people know, well, what can we do? That's a very easy thing you can do is be equipped with something that you can put in somebody's hand. Amen.
3: Good morning,
4: everyone. My name is Quentin Vines. I'm 39 years old. I'm from Bristol, Tennessee. Um, as a child, I liked playing sports, running through the mountains, hiking, fishing, having fun. Um, I went to church, and now that I think back on it, when I stopped going to church, that's when all the trouble started in my life. Um, my parents got a divorce. That affected me because God wasn't the cornerstone anymore. So. I, couldn't, I didn't want to lean on him. I started trying to do things my own way. So I started hanging out with people that wasn't good for me, dabbling in drugs. And like any sin, it, it snowballs out of control. It kept getting worse and worse. Um, I wasn't equipped with handling my mom uh, getting breast cancer, having a stroke. That devastated me. And so I had this hatred inside me that I just didn't care anymore about myself. I cared about, I've always cared about others, but... I stopped caring about myself. I started cooking crystal meth, um, injecting it, taking opiates out of control. And I got down to about 120 pounds. You wouldn't even recognize me if I showed you my before picture before I got in the program. And in a divine moment through my father, he told me about this place called Teen Challenge. So I show up at the door, drug riddled broken and withdrawn so bad that unimaginable so 11 days in i leave get on a bus with no clothes left all my clothes no money my dad got on the bus and it's 16 it's about a two-day trip back to tennessee on a bus so i went go all the way about three hours from home in chattanooga where come to find out you know i have no money the bus stop's only open four hours, so I'm there three days, pretty much no food, very little water. And I was at a broken p- a moment, so the enemy crept into my mind, and he's like, go get a rope and hang yourself. And so I started going down the rope, uh, road to find a rope to do that. But God, in my most broken state, was at his strongest because I was walking down the road looking up at the moon. And I thought about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when all the world's weight was on his shoulders. And in that moment, this peace washed over me that I'll never understand. I didn't want to die anymore. I wanted to live and I didn't question it. This joy came over me and a total 180. I go back to the bus stop. There's this random guy on the phone. I called daddy, said, Yeah, I'll get you the only thing money I'm gonna give you is I'll buy you a bus ticket all the way back down to Fort Myers team challenge. Didn't question it. I thanked him. Got on the bus. Rode two more days back down here, and I've been. I graduated in six days. It's been the best thing that's happened. God has saved my life, over and over again. I'm gonna stick on as an intern because God ain't through with me. He's got me in his clutches now. I can't escape. Thank you.
1: Amen. And uh, I'm gonna stand up here. Two good-looking gentlemen. Um, you know, I hope that you, you hear um, you, you know, what he said. He's he's come, he left, you know, God worked in his life, he was able to, to come back again. And I don't know, remember, I when I came last year, he had only been here for a short time. And uh, and, uh, and Quentin was one of those guys that just didn't talk much, he stayed in his shell, didn't, wasn't, didn't want to uh, get involved in too many things, and to see the transformation. Uh, to not to just being a guy that just kind of hangs in the shadow, so to speak, to a guy that is proactive on campus and wants to be a leader and now stay in for our, our internship program. Uh, because we're a 12-month program itself, uh, and then we have a reentry opportunity for individuals who want to continue to stay uh, and they can be employed full-time through the thrift store, and they can save money get uh, ready for the next stage of life. Uh, but then we also have an internship program for those that want to specifically stay continue to serve in-house. Uh, and that's what he's doing. It's another year. There's more classes, more uh, opportunity, more responsibility for God to continue to work in his life. And so we're very grateful. That's that's transformation uh, at at its best when there's when there's that life change, that life transformation that that is that is tangible. That says, no, "I don't don't just want to be healthy myself. I want to help others." Amen. 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 And uh, so we have another. Uh, oh, Victoria. I was looking around. Like, where's she?
0: Hi, guys. <laughs> so my name's Victoria. I'm from Long Island, New York. And um, prior to Teen Challenge, I my mom calls me her strong-willed. So um, I had a great, you know, my parents are great, hardworking individuals. My mom, we grew up Catholic and then changed over. She was a born-again Christian and then the church she attended had Teen Challenge, but never in my life did I ever think I was going to be sitting in a seat as a student. So um, growing up, school, I was very good in school. Life was good. Um, started working in fourteen, and just been dedicated, very good in school, very driven and work-oriented. Um, and so I was consumed by the world. I loved money. I loved materialistic things. And I love to run wild, so that's what I did. And um, after a while, it just started to catch up to me. I became very exhausted with my life. Um, I was working all day, and then I would just party at night, and that became my routine. Um, so after, dru- I've- alcohol was my addiction, and so I got to a point where I was drinking on a daily basis. And before I came to Teen Challenge, I remember working at home, and I was just on my laptop working and drinking at the same time. And so I looked in the mirror, and I was just like, what have you become? Like, what is this? I just was lost. I, everything that I bought and had that I thought would buy my happiness, like, I was truly empty inside. So the Holy Spirit came upon me and said, you know, look up Teen Challenges near you. And so I did, and called, made an appointment, and I entered the next day. And so for the first couple of weeks, it was very hard. Um, I didn't know what type of decision I made. I never really truly did my research. So I was just like, oh my God, so what is this? <laughs> but um, since I've made the decision, I have this immense peace. I struggled with anxiety a lot and a lot of depression. And so that's why, you know, when I drunk, it would just take that feeling away. But now with the love of Christ, like I don't even desire a drink anymore. I pray nonstop, and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit just fills me, and His peace is more than any drink I've ever had <laughs> can ever do for me. So I'm super thankful for this program. So um, I've decided to, you know, not be so follow my own will, but follow the will of God. And so I've decided also to stay on for an internship program with Teen Challenge and to just follow what God has called me to do and um, be a light to others. So I follow a scripture that it's Jeremiah 29 11 and it talks about God having a plan for you and a plan to prosper you, give you hope and a future. And so that's what I look for now. So thank you so much.
1: Amen. And she's not, she's not strong-willed. I don't agree with her. Um, it was amazing is because, you know, we, we lived uh, and worked in Brooklyn and, and the same church. Uh, actually, my wife and I, uh, Mary and I, years ago, uh, we actually led worship there. Uh, we partnership a lot with them. They had a, a teen challenge that was connected to them. And I know the pastors of that church very well and knew her family. Um, and then so uh, they actually moved down here, and then when they contacted us and, and then walked in the door, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought we left New York. Uh, so it was like, uh, it, was, it was just, it was awesome uh, how God works out connections, but um, I hope you hear in the testimonies, um, you know, there's some very key things that we, we all have to, to think about and remember. Um, in in our, our mission statement, it, we talk about offering hope Uh, Putting Hope Within Reach for those men, women, boys, girls, for addictions and life-controlling issues. Addictions, everybody pretty much understands. Uh, Life-controlling issues, not so much. Because there's a lot of people, and I would say the majority of people uh, in our society live under life-controlling issues. And whether you know it or not, even just the way things are in society right now can be a life-controlling issue. Dealing with COVID and dealing with all the political stuff and dealing with everything that's going on, it can become a life-controlling issue when it begins to have us live in certain ways, whether it be in anxiety or fear or worry, or, uh, and then it can manifest in different ways. Uh, for Quentin, uh, one of his life-controlling issues was the health and the struggles that his mother went through, the, the, the stroke and all of those things that began to control his life, question life determined decisions he was going to make and how he was going to cope with those decisions. Uh, for Victoria, it was different. It was the things that she had acquired and it was pursuing life and fulfillness and satisfaction by things outside of herself. And ultimately, that's what gets us all into trouble when we think that it's going to be something out here that's going to satisfy or fulfill something that's in here. And the problem is, is that our society is built upon that. And we're taught at a very young age in school, or whether it be social media or whatever the case is, is that I've got to, I feel some kind of way, so I've got to do something about it. I need approval. I need acceptance, and so I've got to make a video and put it online. I've got to join an app and and perform for everybody. I've got to do this. I've got to succeed. I've got to get the grades, and then when those things aren't enough, then I've got to go and drink to be satisfied, and then I've got to do the drugs, and I've got to, and I've got to, and it just continues to, to become more and become more because we think that we've got to in order to satisfy. Well, there's one thing that brings satisfaction, and Jesus talked about it in Matthew. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be satisfied. Why? Because the way that Jesus brings satisfaction, and the only true satisfaction is when it, be, when it comes from the inside. Hunger and thirst for righteousness? Righteousness is not something that we find. Righteousness is something that's imparted to us, right? Jesus knew no sin, but he became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. We don't do that. We become. Life is not about doing, it's about being. And so until we get to a place of being, we will constantly be in search, and then it begins to manifest in so many different ways. And so we find ourselves here at having manifested in addiction and manifested in so many different things. But I could ask the question this morning is how is it manifesting in your life? Your marriage can be a life-controlling issue because you have dissatisfaction, you have disunity, you don't communicate, you don't get along with one another, you're fighting and your kids see it and they're being, and you're making decisions and things are falling apart. Guess what? Life-controlling issue. You could be having problems at work. You could have lost your job. You could be facing uh, uh, struggles paying your bills or whatever the case is. Those are life-controlling issues because they begin to determine how you're going to act, live, walk, talk, breathe, the decisions you're going to make. And Jesus, all the while, stands with arms open wide and says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That has to do with laying down your performance-driven life that you can come to me so that I may satisfy what you've been longing for, amen? Whether it be religious, whether it be in in any other way. And so that's what we're here to declare today, that Jesus is enough. You are enough, forever enough, more than enough. We want you to know that today. Believe that and have faith today that that is the Jesus uh, that is for us. And so, uh, all right, you guys can have a seat. Sorry, I got a little preachy there for a second. I'll do that. You should just grab the microphone from me, bro. Um, And uh, so um, the guys now, we have a skit for you. Uh, entitled uh, Barabbas. And uh, it's, it's a really uh, powerful skit. Um, and then they're going to do that. And then I'm going to uh, share uh, a few things uh, from the Word. And then we're going to have one more kind of collective uh, testimony song uh, before we close out today. Um, but I guess you want me to have it started or you'll tell them to start it.
5: We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage, who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy, this has is, this is gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man, he's a thug, and he's a crook. He deserves the chains, and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus? What has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, We want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. I I love him. And I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the free gift? Yeah, but I love Barabbas. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, and the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I'm going to work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it. No, you won't. You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one, and he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say no, no, I deserve this I deserve the guilt, I deserve the shame, I deserve the consequence, I deserve it Jesus seems to look at me say no son let me have it Let me have your sin, let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all, no. God, I I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. what if I do it again I'll still be here oh God I don't want to hurt you I love you I I don't want to do this anymore give me your sins this is all we got it's all I got it's all you got we can play games we can play church games so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay, when I give him my sin, let's stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped stand a free man all the attention is turned now and I feel the love of God saying go son live your life I'll pay the price where did we get off thinking that we were gonna set ourselves free it's still Jesus it'll always be Jesus It'll never stop being the power of Jesus if his blood is sufficient for your salvation. His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough.
1: I still never know what to do with that. You know, when I think about... Um, I don't know, I, I get caught up in two places because I, I get caught up... there's a problem in my mind thinking about Jesus loving Barabbas. I, I just don't think that we consider that in the story because we're just so concerned with how bad. You know, well, of course, he's a bad guy. He's the antagonist in the story, he's getting what he deserves, and he's just there for just a blip. And, you know, it's easy to just just kind of cast him away, but to think if Jesus loves me, he also loved Barabbas. He loved him in the moment when he was being set free. And how could I even think about in a moment knowing that somebody else was taking the freedom that if I truly deserve, like how what would I what I think in that moment? Uh, but to know Jesus was, was willing uh, is an amazing thought. And, and, then, and then additionally, the, I always get caught up in, well, what if I do it again? And Jesus says, I'll still be here. Um, because I think that each and every one of us, the testimony of our life is, is, is we've done it again. You know, whatever it is, we've done it again. Here we are again. Or maybe it's something else, but yet, we've struggled again and 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 wondering if the love of Jesus is enough and the love of Jesus will always be enough i just believe that if you have ble- a breath in your lungs that every intention that god has is to get you to a place of 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 uh, of salvation he, has, he is patient with us, right, longing for everyone. And, uh, and it's a difficult thing to be able to trust in um, the grace of the Lord to be enough. Um, one of the things, I just want to um, uh, read a quick scripture, and, uh, and then we're going to uh, close with a song. Um, one of the things that... Uh, uh, We've kind of been talking about for the last several weeks on campus um, is just the idea of water and how scripture uses the idea of water, uh, wells and things like that uh, to communicate truth. And there's one thing that if you read through scripture um, that water helps us to um, understand is, is, is like a source, like God is our source. Um, he's our source of life. He's our source of provision. He's our source. Uh, for salvation, there's just so many different things. He washes us clean, and all of that sort of stuff. And um, um, in keeping with with uh, kind of what we've been talking about uh, uh, this morning, uh, there's two scriptures in Jeremiah chapter two, uh, verses third or verse thirteen It's two lines to uh, one scripture, uh, where Jeremiah is is uh, you know a prophet that's uh, talking about the destruction, the coming destruction. Uh, from Babylon. And it would be the, the, the destruction of all destructions. This was like the last straw and the place to where ultimately the people would find themselves um, like really kind of lost for words to, 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 to understand like what just happened. How did this happen? How do we get to this place? And what God says and why that they are Uh, Going to be under this destruction, I think, is very powerful. In verse 13, it says, For my people have done two evil things. Interesting word, evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Or your translation might say, broken cisterns. Um, Now, I find that to be a very powerful statement because. Uh, if I were to sit here and think, well, if they have committed evils against the Lord, and I would come up with a long list of, of sins, they have been guilty of this, they've done this, they've done that. But when God says that they have committed two evils, uh, he doesn't go into a long list of sins. He, he goes, basically, these are sort of, of mirrors of the first two commandments, Thou shalt have no other God before you, and thou shalt not make any idols, right? And 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 so what what we see sort of is the foundation of all of the brokenness and all of the sin is 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 this this statement right here. They have abandoned me, the source of living water, and they have dug out for themselves broken cisterns that can carry no water at all. And so essentially, they have had other gods before. They have, they have, they have had something else as their source. And ultimately, you go back to the beginning, what was the problem in, in, the, in, in, in the garden? God wasn't just angry that Eve ate, a, ate an apple. It, what we see is a depiction of, of a couple of individuals who chose another source, They rejected God and they chose a source that would hopefully deliver to them what it is that their hearts desired. And this is one thing that God declares in his word is evil. When I think of evil, I think of murder. I think of all of these different types of actions and sins. And maybe even we can throw doing drugs in there with the way that we think about it. But God says, well, what is evil is abandoning the source, right? That's evil because once you abandon the source, Now you have a thirst that is unquenchable that will lead you to do whatever is necessary to try to satisfy that unquenchable thirst. And if you have a thirst that is unquenchable, it means that it will lead you to the deepest, darkest places because you are in such a search to find some kind of thing that will satisfy. But it's unquenchable. So that means the depth of my depravity to try to satisfy that thirst will only go deeper and deeper. And so we find ourselves in places with sin manifesting because we have decided on another source. We didn't trust God. We didn't believe in God. We didn't live under his grace. We didn't live under his love. We didn't live according to his power and his provision for our life. But what have we done? Well, when we reject the source, the living water that has the ability to sustain us, that has the, the ability to wash us, that has the ability to provide for our needs, then what are we left to do? Well, we go and we dig for ourselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. And if you know anything about the ancient culture, they would dig wells where they found water water was in a sense almost like a striking oil. You you dig down, you strike, it starts to bubble up out of the surface. Well, wells were identified because there was a source of water underneath. It was a living water. It was a fresh water. It was somewhat of a cool water that, that, that said, this is a place that we can now uh, live. This is a place now that we can be sustained. We can build a family here. We can build a life here surrounding this source of water. Well, a cistern was a last ditch effort to try to dig a hole in the ground so that if it should happen to rain rain would fill in the cistern would fill the hole basically and then we would have water to live on well there's two problems with that one if it should happen to rain now we are dependent upon circumstances and situations outside of ourselves to try to provide the source of water that we need and then once it comes in it's not a fresh clean living water that's bubbling up from the inside it's a water that falls from the outside and it's not necessarily the most clean or the most refreshing type of water and then the even greater problem with this is that if I my cistern has a crack in it it means that everything that falls down that I've been dependent upon, and that should just so happen to fall my direction, goes into what I have built for myself, and it all leaks out of the bottom, and I have nothing. And God says that is evil. We get so in our heads about trying to define for ourselves this sin and that sin and doing this and living in shame and having all these things. The Bible says that all of those things are manifestations of evil, being that we reject God as our source. We don't trust him enough to satisfy us and to deliver us, and bring us to a place of victory, and then live out of that victory, and we go running, and we dig cisterns for ourselves, and we try to catch water, and everything that we try to catch, it just constantly eludes us. And so what is our call then today? Our call then today is to abandon the things that we have tried to build for ourselves to satisfy because the things that we do on our own power don't help us to overcome addiction. The things that we do on our own power don't help us to overcome sin, that don't help us to overcome death. They don't help us to overcome the problems that we face. The first place that we need to go is to the source of living water himself, and that's Jesus. And this story here, it goes back into prophecy in Isaiah chapter 12 that says when God restores his people that they will drink from the fountain of living water. And then it jumps forward to the prophecy in Revelation at the very end that says this spirit and the bride say come drink the water the free gift of the water of the river of life it goes into the story of Jesus that says I will pr- build put in you fountains or rivers of living water that will bubble up from the inside and it goes into the story of Jesus and the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when he says give me a drink and she says I can and he says I know because you've got broken cisterns in your life you've got so many men you can't figure anything out you've got life-controlling issues, woman. And he says, you want to be satisfied? You want to be fulfilled? You want to be healed? Come to me for a drink, and I'll give you living water, and you will never thirst again. So is there anybody struggling with a life-controlling issue this morning? Is there anybody burdened? Is there anybody addicted? Is there anybody lost? Is there anybody Wherever you are, the call today is to come to Jesus and drink. Come back to your first love that the Spirit said in Revelation. Come back to the source. Abandon your abilities. Abandon the things that you've been trying to do this and accomplish this through. It all starts with Jesus. But here's the second part. When we find living water, we have to keep drinking. Not that his grace isn't good enough, but it's because we've found something that's so good, we won't allow ourselves to, or we won't decide to, or determine to, or run after any other things to satisfy. It's a river that will keep bubbling, and keep going, and keep flowing, for us to partake it, And when we don't, then we begin to reject the source again. And the only outcome will be, I will build cisterns for myself that cannot hold water and I'll find myself living according to those habits and those patterns again. Wow,
3: I'm really and super blessed. Were you guys blessed today? (laughs) Will you guys just pray with me? Heavenly Father, what an amazing reminder today. You love us. You love us more than we will ever know. But thank you for this reminder this morning. How you take broken things and make beauty from Lord, I pray if there is anyone here today that is struggling still, Lord, that today would have been a reminder that you're here and that you love them. And Lord, even if they sin and sin again, sin again, that you're here. Your love is more than enough. Lord, thank you for these men and women who stand before us right now. Lord, thank you for their example to us, for their courage and for them, for the brokenness in their lives that they came to be made whole by you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this program, this organization that just stands with open arms, willing to accept anyone who comes broken and ready to be mended restored. Thank you, Jesus. And, Lord, I pray as we go out of this place today, Lord, we would take this message of love and grace that we've been looking at so closely, Lord, and we would take it out of these doors, and we would go out and be the church outside of this building, the hands and feet of Jesus, loving like you love Lord, I pray for this body that you would give us ears to hear as you hear and eyes to see as you see and hearts that love as you love. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy right now and for this time, Lord. Uh, but Lord, I have an expectation of heaven and I look forward to your return. But, Lord, I pray, and selfishly, I'd like it to be right now. Lord, I pray and I know that it will be in the fullness of your timing, in your perfect time. Lord, because if you haven't returned, it's because there are those out there who you know need to hear. Use us, Lord, in that way. Use us. Help us to hear and to know your direction we might walk in that way in obedience, Lord, a tool in your hand, in the hand of the master creator, Lord. So we thank you, Jesus. I pray your blessing on this group and on this body, Lord. And Lord, use this body, use this church to, for revival in this town and beyond, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen.